God, you want to hit a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle and do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> That's our new opening theme. It isn't. No, because it was not discussed. Um, it's it's not. my show. You're it's, not, it's not. No, that's not how it works. I know you have that attitude, but that's not how it works. You're, and I'm here with my guest. No, no. I'm Dave Anthony. I'm here with my guest, Gary no. Reynolds. First of all, what the fuck? Hmm. I'm the co-host, and my name is Gareth. Uh, very presumptuous. No, I don't think that... I is. can shut this down at any time. I, you so can you, though. Yeah, so. I mean, I could, too. Yeah, all right. No, I Although get... I have a guy that would be great in my place. <laughs> Who's that? It's, you know, my friend Jose. He's just <laughs> the, you'll love him. He'd be better, honestly. So if you ever do, yeah, let me gonna... know. I'll be really gracious about it. Um, I'm a big fan of Jose's. Good. Um, oh, so uh, here's something we learned at PodFest. We were, everyone's under the assumption that the way the iTunes rankings work is it's this convoluted formula of reviews and all the shit. So that's why everyone is always saying, do reviews. But it turns out reviews don't count towards the rankings. Oh. All it is is who people who subscribe. So subscribe. And you get more points for whatever reason if you subscribe on, your, on the app on your iPhone. <laughs> So wow. even if you don't use iTunes, but you have an iTunes account, just go subscribe, yeah, and that'll help us out. Yeah, we'll show them. And if you do have an iTunes account and you haven't subscribed, then what the fuck? Yeah, we're not mad. Don't but say it. We're not mad, yeah, but right. we're not happy with you either. <laughs> we don't get it. <laughs> we don't know what your problem yeah, is. Yeah, we're a little rubbed. Sure. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, wow. This is... This is, a, is this how much it normally is? No, this is long. This is long. Okay, yeah. This, this, <laughs> I never get this insight. Oh, and also people think a lot of times I know what's going to happen. No, you have no idea. Yeah, I never know what's going to happen. You don't even happen. know what the subject is. Sometimes I'll say, hey, have you ever heard of this? I think there's been one time where I've known the subject before going in and I just saw it on Twitter. I'd yes. rather not know. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's more fun that way. This one's called The Two Dogmen. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm a strong start. (laughs) Uh, The year was 1813. Oh, sure. Henry Berg was born on the Lower East Side of New York City with a silver spoon in his mouth. Prick. Little Richie Richerman. He was raised on Water Street. His father was uh, a very wealthy shipbuilder who built ships for the U.S. Navy and merchant vessels and was actually the first shipbuilder to hire black men. That's good. So that's something, right? That's nice, yeah. That's a little something going on there. Yeah. Uh, he became very wealthy and quite important during the War of 1812 when ships were needed to be constructed quickly. Okay. So that's how he made it. He, he ended up being, by the time he died, he had built more sh- ships for the Navy than anyone else. Okay. So that's some shit. Yeah. Right? You're going at a fucking family right there. Yeah. No joke. No, that's not a... No. I, I, did I come across like I thought it was a no, joke? I your eyes. Not. Your eyes are weird. <laughs> your, excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> you got weird eyes, kid. <laughs> Henry, however, was unsure of what to do with his life other than just being a rich kid. Just do that. Right. Yeah. Well, that's – yeah, it's kind of what he does. Okay. Uh, he went to Columbia University, but he was indifferent to all the reading and whatnot. And he ba- <laughs> uh, the everything? <laughs> <laughs> and he bailed. 
<laughs> Good. He was like, man, this is... Man, oh, uh, they aren't kidding about these books, no, huh? These are real. You got to read, 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 and buy. I'm gassed. Uh, in 1831, he decided to head to Europe and just fart around the continent. <laughs> this guy, I like this guy. Yep. Uh, he enjoyed it there, and he decided to linger for a while. So he stayed in Europe. Sure. Where he tried to be a writer. Okay, good. Uh, he wrote letters he hoped would uh, be enjoyed by the masses. They were not. He wrote uh, plays, all of which were unproduced. Uh, oh, they were all very sentimental with obvious moral lessons, and everyone was like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's really not like smart or unique. <clears throat> we're not actually trying to do like obvious theater. Yeah, <laughs> that's his theater company. Welcome to Obvious Theater. <laughs> Come on, cast. The year Henry Berg went to Europe, another man was born into the world. Kit Burns. Kit? Well, he wasn't originally born Kit, but that's what his nickname became. K-I-T. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was born in Donegal, Ireland. All right. And immigrated to New York around 1845, one of hundreds of thousands who fled the potato famine. Oh, there yeah. it is again. Fucking potato that famine. famine. God damn it. Uh, he came alone at the age of 15. Wow, Jesus. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm tired of not, just not eating, so I'm going to get on this ship. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm 15. Fuck you. I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah. I have pubic hair. I Sort of. Sailing the seas. I have peach fuzz. Uh, Here I am on a journey across an ocean alone. <laughs> and he settled into the Five Points neighborhood of New York. All right. Made famous in uh, Gangs of New yep. York. Uh, With better accents in reality. Much better accents in reality. The Five five Points was a squalid district, mostly of Irish immigrants. The streets were full of cramped tenements, brothels, and bars. Underneath the Five Points was a now-filled pond. It was rancid with tannery and slaughterhouse runoff. Wait, underneath it? So they filled in. So it was a a fucking pond. Uh Uh-huh. The the lower end of Manhattan is, is used to just be... Swamp and pond. Okay. So they filled it in and they built these houses, but it still it didn't mean the all the shit didn't still so the run shit down. Kind of went down. So to it's a just new... un, so underneath all the houses is just fucking blood, and guts, and shit. Better, <laughs> better, marginally better, marginally better. It still smells weird in the house. Yeah, but you don't have to look at it, do you? <laughs> Just put a clothespin on your nose and pretend like it's not happening, will ya? <laughs> Outhouses stood right next to wells, and alcohol alcoholism was the main hobby. <laughs> I love, I love hobby. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of got into it. Kind of fell into it. I'm a, I'm a bit of a collector of blackouts, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, falling down again. Whoopsie, whoopsie. Don't mind me. I'll just be here. It's a bit of a hobby I've got over here. <laughs> if you don't mind me. Oh, what am I doing? I'm hobbying. I got bit by the alcohol bug again. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go swim in the blood pond. You used to be into stomps. <laughs> don't, this is the new stomp. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm collecting my thoughts. <laughs> Uh, there was not a place in the United States with a higher crime rate. Owning- <laughs> that <is> shocking. <laughs> I know. Owning a bar was what every man in Five Points strived for. If you owned a bar... <laughs> this is the greatest. I know. If you owned a bar, not only could you make a lot of money, but it came with power. 
because all information and news was filtered through the saloons, and this gave bar owners the ability to sway blocks of voters for politicians. So Fox News with booze. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Crazy Irish. That would be great. They're, they're just pouring you a shot full of propaganda. <laughs> Here you go. Here you are. You know what I hear. We hear if you want to be free for the next 10 years, demand a vote for us to Demi. <laughs> hey, thank you, mate. Oh, very kind. You're very kind, dude. No, shot in a word. Shot in a word. As bad as it was in five points, it still allowed for a chance at more prosperity than the immigrants would have experienced in their own countries, mostly because they were dying because there weren't enough potatoes. <laughs> Such a shame, too. Um, even though most of the prosperity in America in five points was through criminal means. Right. Yes. Yes. Things are good. In the late 1840s, Kit Burns became involved in gang life. So he's there for a couple of years. He's yeah. like, oh, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, going to put on some suspenders and beat up I, men. I guess my dream of opening a bar is a pipe dream. I'm just <laughs> going to go curb that man. <laughs> Burns rose quickly through the ranks of the dead rabbits. <laughs> Ooh, we're the dead rabbits! <laughs> they do the, like, snap like the sharks. Your rabbit's not alive. Your rabbit is dead. We're going to beat you right around your head. Dead rabbits! <laughs> uh, back then, a rabbit... Was a term used to describe a big, tough man. <laughs> Things have changed. Yeah, he's quite a rabbit, isn't he? <laughs> oh, boy, he's a rabbit, isn't he? Run, rabbits! A dead rabbit was even tougher. <laughs> well, he's bigger than a rabbit, yeah? Boy, he's not a rabbit at all. He's a dead rabbit. The rabbits fought with other gangs like the Bowery Boys and the Atlantic Guards. They used fists and iron bars and brick bats and pistols and paving stones and pitchforks and knives. <laughs> they often battled in their undershirts. <laughs> Hold on now, I'm taking off me top. I don't want to get pitchfork on it. <laughs> pitchfork! As a weapon in a fight, I'd be like, ah, no, 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 don't no, I'm not me. fighting you, I'm I don't not fighting fight. you. Let me put my shirt back on to show you Look, that I shirt's on. Shirt's on. Buttoned up. I'm not fighting anyone. Not fighting. I'm going to the bar for some advice on politics. What is that, a brick bat? <laughs> Um, they drank ridiculous amounts of alcohol. Burns was known to drink 20 glasses of booze a day. Oh, fuck. I'm barely alive. <laughs> I caught a bit of a booze finally. <laughs> now, Henry Berg was still poorly riding his way through Europe. Oh, gosh. <laughs> In 1836, his father said he was going to retire and it was time for Henry to come home and manage the shipyard. Yep, because he'd earned it by writing 30 ship plays. <laughs> Come on home, Henry. I've seen all the shit you write. Come on. <laughs> Listen, after reading what you've written, I've decided you're going to run the business. <laughs> it's you're horrendous. You can't be worse at this. Uh, he ran it with his brother Christian. Uh, Henry was very bummed out when he came home. But there he met a rich society girl, Catherine Matilda Taylor, and married her. What a rich name. Right? Yeah. These are just rich Catherine fucking Catherine Matilda yeah. Taylor. Oh, my, my middle name is Matilda. That's right. Oddly... Henry's actually good at the job of running the firm. Okay. <laughs> the business thrived and expanded as he helped transition to the age of steam power. Then his father died in 1943. Okay. And Henry... In 1943? Uh, sorry, 1843. Okay. Gonna, his, his, dad, his dad's oh. 200. <laughs> well, I don't know if I can push on. This is the story about the oldest man in the world. Put more steam in me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> And so his father died, and Henry was like, well, fuck this shit. And he sold his portion of the firm 
which gave him an enormous amount of cash, and he retired at the age of 32. Oh, God. Retired does. from working for two and years. And this is when 32, well, I guess it was older, actually. But you could die Still, at 32. Yeah, right? 32. That was probably the common age where he just <laughs> fell over. But I can't move anymore. <laughs> so this guy. I'm done moving. So this guy did nothing except for two years, and then he retired and was a rich guy. Sounds really good. So he went back to Europe. In this day and age, reality show bound. Oh, my God, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, fuck yeah. He didn't earn it. Now let's watch him. He hates ships. <laughs> watch him write shit. On tonight's Henry the Shiphater. <laughs> I'm going to write a play about donkeys. That's a little bubble that pops up at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so he went back to Europe where he attempted to continue his life as a playwright Ugh. that no one produced plays for. Great. What a loser. Back in Five Points, Burns, Burns became very close to a bar owner named Yankee Sullivan. Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> Get out of my dreams. <laughs> Yankee Sullivan. What do you think Yankee Sullivan did? I think he was a catcher's mitt. So close. With eyeballs. Yankee Sullivan was a former boxer. Oh, nice. He was famous for a victory over Johnny Hammer Lane in the championship fight. Come in on, England. these are just gr- we need to get back to this time of names, right? Yeah, they're the greatest names. They're ever. great. Lane fractured a small bone in his forearm in the third round. The fight did not end until the nineteenth round. Oh Jesus! That's when men were fucking men. Yeah, he had a broken arm, and he's like, and he I got one. I got one. I'll beat the shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> So this is my clubbing arm. It's numb. <laughs> I wasn't using the other one. So that's Burns' buddy. Okay. I like uh, the team. Sullivan loved fighting still, but not just humans. Mm. He had New York's premier dog fighting pit, the Sawdust House. Okay. Burns loved it, and he loved dogs, so he quickly became a regular in the arena. Like how we love dogs. I love dogs. That's They're why great. I want to go. I want to go eat. I want them to eat each other in front of me. I, you know what? How much I like dogs. I like to see them uh, just chomp on each other for a while. That's how much I love them. So I pick my favorite. Oh my god! They're so great. I want them to eat each <laughs> other. Uh, he was often seen in the arena without shoes. Okay, sure. I mean, where? Why not? Is there a worse place to not wear shoes? Uh, it sounds like a pretty bad area to not wear shoes in I, general. It just in general, yeah. just in the whole area. But just getting in the arena yep. with two snarling fighting dogs yep. and you're like, oh, my shoes are burdensome. Yeah. I don't want to get my toes on my shoes. <laughs> he was there for the dog fights and the rat fights. The rat fights? Oh, rat fighting. Come on. Okay. Rat fights? Okay. Hold on to your asshole, young sir. <laughs> It's not actually what it sounds like. It's not, it's not rat versus rat in an arena. I'm very excited for what it is. A rat fight was when you would put a bunch of rats in the arena, and then you throw a dog in. And people would bet on how many rats the dog would kill over oh a specific amount of time. Then they would set the dog loose, and he'd snap their legs and move on, snap their necks and move on to the next rat while... The humans all cheered. Get them! Get them! Fight out! Get those fucking rats! So it's way worse than a rat fight. <laughs> it's, it's a rat nightmare. It's a rat apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, it's rat apocalypse. Which, by the way, is a great movie. Star- I can't wait until that comes out. The voice of Pat Oswald. If you ever get a chance, I can't rat apocalypse is fantastic. Oh my god. 
Um, rat so, sometimes there would be two dogs in the arena, and they could see who killed more rats. So that's good times. Yeah, I could. Uh, could you see this at like the the MGM in Vegas? Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's get ready for rat fights. Yeah. In this corner, we have a dog. In this corner, eight hundred rats. Fuck it, let's do this shit. People placing oh, bets fuck. like, man, if he hadn't fucking hurt his foot, he would have eaten thirteen more oh rats, and I would have covered the over. Fuck, I had one hundred twenty-four, and he had one hundred twenty-three. God damn it! I had the over on the rats. Gee. The yeah. rats were probably just like, there's a mean game they're playing. I was just down at the wharf! <laughs> I'm eating some of the bacteria from your puke pond. <laughs> this is how you repay me? Uh, the Tribune observed, the rapidity with which a well-trained dog kills rats is astounding to the uninitiated. He bites to kill every time, and he usually does it. Burns also trained boxers. In September 1856, he trained Charlie Lynch for a boxing match in New Jersey. His opponent was British-born Andy Kelly. The fight lasted two hours and 15 minutes. In the 86th round... Oh, I'm sorry, sir? In the 86th round? Yeah. You kept fighting until someone couldn't fight. It's bare knuckle, and you're just out in a field... And guys are just punching each other, and then I guess someone hits a bell or something, and then you go back and you keep fucking fighting. 86. 86 rounds. rounds. Day four. (laughs) Fight! Kelly got up from his stool, collapsed, and fell over dead. (laughs) Not surprising at all, right? cool. Oh, we should have stopped it at 85. He he got up. That's what's amazing. He was like, one more. Let go. Gunk. Burns was arrested in connection with the fight. Burns was adamant that he had done no wrong, and they couldn't hold him, and he was released. So wait, why were they going? Why him? Why is he? Because he was one of the guys who put on the fight. Oh, okay. So they're like, well, then you're you killed him. So Burns began traveling the East Coast with four metal stakes and lengths of rope to make a ring. He'd hold prize fights in the countryside outside of towns. Newspapers wrote of the sandy-haired man with mutton chops and a stubbed wooden wooden pipe. (laughs) Frequently in suspenders with ropes coiled around his arms and stakes over his shoulder. Okay, that's a fucking man. So he's I just, just described a man, so. like just the ultimate fucking dude. <laughs> just a dude shows up in town. He's got four metal stakes, yeah. a bunch of rope, smoking a fucking pipe. He's got mutton chops. And he's like, who wants to fight? <laughs> I'm the commissioner of fighting here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Burns was. That's at great, so- too, though, because back in those days, I mean, what the fuck? I, that, that's why, like, rat fights were a thing. I mean, you were just like <laughs> anything. Anything, because all you did was sit. There's no. T- this is what happens when there's no television. No people watch rats get eaten Honestly. by dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have the Kardashians to get mad at. <laughs> they were like, "Eat them rats!" <laughs> Do you look at him? He's got other rats. Oh Christ! Look so at many rats. Go. I never seen such a pile of dead rats. <laughs> he really murdered a lot. <laughs> Burns was at so many fights that when he wasn't at a fight, it was news. He was all often... Extra, to- extra! <laughs> Burns not at fight! Burns not at fight! <laughs> Give me one of those. He was often looked to for quotes. 
Ah, he was a man, he once told the reporter, gesturing to an image of a prize fighter whose tolerance for alcohol and ability to draw blood he admired. You couldn't count up his pints on your fingers, and then he handled himself so tidy. Nothing flabby about him, and such a claret tapper. He always got the ruby flowing. <laughs> man, I need, I need to go back to this time. <laughs> I belong with these people. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Europe... Oh, oh, by the way, huh? <laughs> oh, he's a real soy topper, he is. Everything about him makes you shine with belief. <laughs> he's got it inside your pocket, gems. Trust me, this boy's going to be locket material. <laughs> and he's got the ketchup coming out of him. Uh, right, okay, so just to refresh... Something fierce! <laughs> he's a ketchup man. He's a ketchup man. Meanwhile, in Europe... Uh-huh, oh... Henry- Meanwhile, at an empty theater company. <laughs> Henry Berg was writing plays that nobody cared about and just being generally rich. But the Civil War was starting to brew in America, and the South was stepping up its diplomatic efforts in Europe. Specifically, the Confederacy wanted to make friends with Russia because Russian society was dependent on enslaved serfs, which was the same, which was getting the same condemnation as the South. Yeah, they were like, well, can you believe these people in this whole don't enslave people nonsense? Right. Uh, unbelievable. <clears throat> so they were like, oh, you guys, you guys kind of have slaves? We have slaves. Do we also wanna... like slaves. Would you like to be friends? <laughs> slave pals. Hey. <laughs> we are slave pals. Dear Craigslist, I'm looking for a slave pal. Dear Craigslist, I need someone to help me with slave pals. <laughs> so... So uh, the South wanted Russia to recognize its independence and maybe join the war and help out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Berg's family was well known as Republicans and Unionists, so Secretary of State William Seward reached out since Henry was already in Europe and could get there quickly. And Henry's like, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess I can do that. So wait, they're sending him. There, he's like, so now since the he's the closest, since he's the closest rich guy, <laughs> that's amazing to Europe. To, to Russia. Uh, anyone else they'd have to Amazing. put on, they'd have to put anyone else based. on a it's ship. It's not resume-based. Right. It's proximity. Well, the kid, the guy who's built the ships, his kid's over there, so we could probably... Send him. Okay. Fuck I it. mean, there's probably better people. Go more. get him. He's close, like you said. He's close. <laughs> have at him. Uh, so he went there quickly, and uh, President Abraham Lincoln appointed him as secretary to the American legation to the court of the Tsar Alexander II and acting vice Council of in 1863. That was an a lot. acronym would be nice. That was a lot, yeah. An acronym would be nice. Henry was in Russia for less than two years and he hated it. Of course he did. Uh, he learned two things. He didn't like the cold. And he was terrible at writing plays. And Russians treated their am- animals like garbage. Oh, God. <laughs> when you miss rat fights, <laughs> things ain't good. <laughs> While walking in St. Petersburg one day, he stumbled upon a man whipping a donkey in the street. Eesh. Henry approached to ask that the man cease beating the donkey. And the man complied. Mm, I, I feel like we haven't heard the last from the man. Henry was surprised to discover that the man, as well as the crowd that had gathered, we'll get back to that, <laughs> appeared odd, even cowed by his diplomat's uniform. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> Henry said, at last... I found a way to utilize my gold lace. So, uh, just, I'm gonna need some. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's the keep scene. the facts coming. Here's the scene. Yeah. He's in St. <laughs> Petersburg, and there's a man beating a donkey, and a crowd has gathered to enjoy the show. 
of the man beating the donkey. And they're oh, like, God. give it to him harder. Yay. <laughs> Hurt that chained animal. Beat him. Hurt him. And then a guy walks up. Excuse me. In a diplomatic uniform and says, stop. And everyone goes, okay. Okay. We wait for okay. another fight. I'll wait for another donkey. Stop. This man has some sort of uniform on. <laughs> and so he's like, holy shit. I found my calling. Because for once in his life, somebody gave a fuck. <laughs> for the first time ever. Somebody was actually like, oh, cool. I'm listening. So after everything he had barely tried in life, he realized that he could help animals because he was dressed nice. <laughs> I mean, that's not a calling. Henry soon returned to New York. <laughs> my calling is to wear a suit that people don't recognize and be nice to animals. That happened once. That's my job. Don't tell Lincoln. I'm the donkey stopper. <laughs> Unhand that donkey. Henry soon returned to New York where he began walking the streets and intervening on behalf of animals whose treatment he judged cruel. Oh, boy. He's the boy. Do not let him know about rat fights. So, with no need to earn a living, he patrolled the streets daily, accosting coachmen, driving overburdened horses, and braiding farmers, shepherding cows in need of milking. Wow. So <laughs> he must, They must have just been like, we hate this fucker. <laughs> Holy shit, is this guy the worst. Milk that cow. Look, I have lace on. Milk him. Milk the cow. Don't you see how I'm dressed? You there. Water your horse's mouth immediately. Rich man here, stop <laughs> beating your horse. It is I, super animal lover. <laughs> so he's living, the, he's living the dream. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. just He's just living it. He's just walking around like, this is awesome. Judging everything. So close to Batman. Pet that cat. As close to Batman as you've ever heard in real life. <laughs> yeah. So... Meanwhile, Burns moved uh, south of Five Points to the Fourth Ward, which was somehow worse. Oh, good. He found a, a, a nice place to settle. For at least 25 years, the 20th century popular historian Herbert Ashby wrote, the neighborhood's main commercial thoroughfare was probably the scene of more violent crime than any other street on the continent. Wow. Burns took up residence there, occupying a three-story... <laughs> I live here. I shall reside here. Burns took up residence there, occupying a three-story frame house marked 273. Above the door, he hung a, uh, hung a large gilded shingle that read Sportsman Hall by Kit Burns. Ooh, why? Well, I, I think I like where we're headed for him. <laughs> so now... So he basically, like, found cheap property... Got involved, and now I think he's opening some sort of fight club. Well, I mean, it's just, it's like it's like like today we have a sports bar. Yeah, it's oh. like that, right? But I'm gonna guess sports are different then. Yeah, and there's no TVs, so, <laughs> so sports are there. What do you do? <laughs> I think people beat the fuck out of each Get other. Get the rats! <laughs> Sportsman's Hall was divided into two main rooms. In the first was a bar, above which hung the stuffed remains of two of Burns' favorite dogs. One was Jack, a black and tan, who'd once dispatched 100 rats in under seven minutes. Uh, classic Jack. Oh, fucking Jackie. He huh? could really murder oh, rats. Holy shit, I'd never seen anything like it. It was natural with him. Just chomp, 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 chomp. <laughs> his companion, Hunky, had been a dog-fighting champion, mortally wounded in his last victory. He won, but died. Oh, Jesus. The walls were covered in pictures of bare-knuckle boxers. The bar served homemade liquor. 
Yum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. I guess I'll have another one. Oh, God. <laughs> Burns, his wife, and their frail daughter, Kitty, lived above the bar. Though frail, Kitty was quick to anger and carried a wooden club she was very skilled with. Jesus. So, <laughs> so that's all I found out about that. But it sounds like it. she would just get mad and hit people with a club. <laughs> For all the upside this time has with names, there really is just this erratic downside where <laughs> anyone can do whatever the fuck they want. But the names. From, wow. the, from the street, one could smell the odor of dog. Ugh, that's... Oh, man, is there, is there a dog fight place in here? Oh, smells like fun. Hey, you guys smell dog? I smell dog. That's the opposite of what dogs do. They're like, I smell I smell human. I smell dog on you. You're like, I smell dog. At the rear of the room was a narrow passage that led to the amphitheater. The narrow passage was made to frustrate police engaging in raids. In the amphitheater, wooden box seats fronted an octagonal, dirt-floored arena enclosed by three-foot-high wooden walls nine feet wide. Four gas jets lit the place. Oof. It's like the Thunderdome. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's Mad Max. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Totally. (laughs) Behind the box seats encircling the ring, benches rose on risers to the ceiling. A Tribune reporter estimated that the room could hold 250 decent people and 400 indecent ones. Okay, so... <laughs> no fire codes, I take it. No, no fire codes. So, uh, is that because they're basically saying, like, people who like space versus people who don't mind having their sweaty, probably yeah, puke-covered bodies standing that, next to each other? They're saying, like, a normal, decent person right. would not want to be... Would not want to be in a... Have, have like, a, a person rubbing up against them, but right. a dirty, filthy person is like, Yeah, put your face on my neck! I got 150 friends I'm looking to get inside. Do you mind if we turn this party indecent? Come on down, it's indecent night. Come on, it's all right. You don't need to leave room for the Holy Ghost. Rub your neighbor. Let's go. Dogs were chained beneath seats where the bones of rats had been swept. (laughs) It just sounds like a nice place. Sure. It's a nice place. I like what I hear. (laughs) Until it's death. You're going to love this. I'm excited. This is when we go full dollop. Oh, boy. Until its death in 1868, Burns reserved one box for his black bear, which he would pit against any contestant of its weight. Oh, Jesus. So. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, of course. So you could fight the bear if you were as big as the bear. I mean, he wasn't going to be like, you can fight the bear, you're 100 He wouldn't pounds. let Kitty with the cane fight the bear. Right. Yeah. The gentleman to fight the bear had to be bear-sized. Reasonable? He's a he's a reasonable man. I love that there's rules for bear fighting. <laughs> Sorry, mate. You're just not fat enough to fight the bear. Maybe next time. Keep working out. Come back when you're taller. <laughs> Come back when you're a bit taller and bear size. Um, sometimes there were boxing matches, but more often there were three basic shows. For 25 cents, you can see a rat killed by a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a better package than that... In. <laughs> Get that weasel. Here's my quarter. Uh, the other two were rat killing by dog and dog fighting. <laughs> Been there, done that. Get that weasel out here. Relatively slow and bloodless, rat and weasel bouts often served as preliminary events. Uh, a bit of an amuse-bouche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
regulars thought them tame, best suited to women and children. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> what? A, we- a weasel murdering a rat's like, that's for you, boy. That's rated G. <laughs> that's for the kids. Now, this next one's PG, and coming up, we got R. You're going to love this, Bobby. They're going to send a weasel loose in here. He's going to kill those rats. Now, when you're a little bit older, I'll let you watch a dog kill 180 of them in 10 minutes. <laughs> just wait your turn. You and Mom head home now. Daddy's going to watch some more graphic violence. Daddy, when can I watch the dogs kill the rats? When you're 11 and old enough to drink, boy. <laughs> Attendee, attendees occasionally initiated contests between man and rat. Oh, what the fuck? Wait! <laughs> Which required the human participant to snatch rodents by hand and sever their heads with his teeth? Ugh! Ugh! What the fuck? <laughs> Which usually results in, in scratches and bites to the face. Ugh, of course! The rats know the fucking score! Hey, Marty, get in there and finish them off! <laughs> Jesus! Ugh! What are you, chicken, Marty? Pick up the rat and fucking bite him! <laughs> bite his head off! Ugh, while they're scratching and claw- My God. My God. I'll tell you, I'd be a weasel rat guy. How? I'd be like, I'm fine with the weasel rat, then I go home. How drunk do you have to be? Oh, you have to be like, so- how fucking drunk do you have just to be? Just as drunk as they to, were daily. To accept the dare. That's right. Amen. Bring on the rats. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Wake up in the morning. Oh, fuck me. I bit the rats again last Christ night. Christ almighty. Oh, I have got to stop I... drinking so much. <laughs> I keep fucking biting the rats' heads off. Oh, fuck. I'm missing an eye. I've got a scratch mustache. <laughs> These goddamn rats. Uh, Burns did not like the practice of men fighting rats and ejected men who did it. So he had boundaries. It, he did, but he's all, why is that not just a rule? I, people are just right. Ran, I think there's it, a pocket of people who are like, quick, he's got his back turned. Eat as many rats as you can, Larry. <laughs> Larry Footbar. <laughs> <laughs> In a typical evening, Sportsman's Hall would go through 100 rats. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. You've, you've lulled me into where that's a normal thing to hear. Rats were difficult to get. Gray wharf rats were valued for their large size and ferocity. <laughs> ferocity! Burns paid 12 cents a rat to his in-house catcher, whose methods he refused to reveal. I'm not telling you how he catches the fucking rats. <laughs> Who are you to ask? He has his system. That's his business. He's a ratter. Do I ask a chef? Yeah. How he makes his pie? Look, I just enjoyed a pie. I don't ask for the recipe. That's insulting. Don't ask how me ratman brings me rats. Uh, rats entered. But burn. it has to do with chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> rats entered Burns Octagon fifty at a time, screaming and clamoring in a wire cage. Ugh. They were extracted for slaughter using specialized tongs. One attendee offered the following description of a ratting event. They galloped about the walls in different directions, meeting and crowding into a file in one of the corners, where they tried ineffectually to scale the top of the pit. Then they would separate again and run frightened about the floor, trying every crevice and corner. One or two ran up the trousers and legs of the cage holder, whence he composedly and carelessly shook them again. It's like World War Z. It is. They're just like, we're we're creating, like, a human ladder. It's not working! (laughs) Terror. 
<clears throat> Burns felt dogs were made for this. He, he must. <laughs> this is why God made dogs. He must know by the feel when he bites them that he's done the business for them. Ah, uh, yeah. So he felt that that's what dogs were for. <laughs> he was wrong. Beneath the first floor was a basement containing wooden stalls, enough for some forty dogs, dreary and dimly lit. It struck Burns as a fine place for a dog. Of course. His choice specimens, however, including the prized white-legged black and tan bulldog Belcher, lived with his family in comfortable second-room floors and enjoyed, Burns said, better cuisine than he did. (laughs) Well, he's not eating rats. Yeah, but what is he? He's like, I'm eating steak. He's having Kobe beef. (laughs) (laughs) To condition his pack, Burns employed a system not dissimilar from modern-day spin classes. Each dog was placed atop a large round table with a rotating top, which for traction had been upholstered in wool. With the animal chained in place, a trainer incited other dogs to bark and growl, infuriating the trainee so that he would run forward in pursuit, thereby creating a feedback loop of aggression and a treadmill. Wow. Yeah. The treadmill. The treadmill. Crazy. Fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> as terrible as Burns' dog fighting was, nowhere in historical account of Burns Sportsman Hall are there descriptions of the sorts of brutalities associated with dog fighting of today. While reporters always tried to depict Sportsman Hall, Sportsman's Hall as terrible, Burns never beat, starved, or tortured his dogs. Journalists often reported his affection for them and that he was deeply wounded by their loss. He stuffed some of them, so he doesn't have like a like a rape post like uh, no. evicted. Yeah, no, he's not. Yeah, he's there. He's just twisted. He's just he just thinks he's a little twisted. Yeah, he thinks they should fight. Yeah. Um, his long semi-obsessive association with prize fighting seems to suggest that he regarded boxers and other fighters in much the same light as he did his animals. They eat better than I do. They will fight, Burns said, for it is their nature to. So he thought dogs were like the same as a fucking boxer. Yeah. So that makes a little bit of sense. A little bit more sense. The bear, still a red flag. <laughs> the bear's still a big red flag. Also, the rats doesn't really fit in. <laughs> the rats, yeah. What, why no rat-bear fight? <laughs> oh, my God. Can, Come on down for the rat-bear fight. Well, it took a while, but we finally found the championship bout. Have you ever seen a rat take down a bear? Will 500 rats dressed in a trench coat with a hat be able to fight a bear? Come on down tonight. <laughs> Commercial advertiser, which was, a, I think, a newspaper, compared ratters and prize fighters to the heathen Chinese and <sighs> the heathen Hindu. <laughs> that was a good time for newspapers. Yeah. That's some real good report yeah. right there. Yeah. And Burns came to expect a condescending eye from visiting journalists. So, for what he was once praised and consp- considered a respected voice of, he was now scorned. So, okay. the tide is turning a little bit. Uh-huh. The worm has turned. Sure. This was mostly because of Henry Berg, who was whipping up an anti-animal cruelty frenzy. Here we go. He lobbied for passage of anti-animal cruelty legislation, legislation which was unknown before 1865, and gave sanctimonious street corner lectures. Ugh. So he's one of those dudes in New York. I mean, these who sits on a street corner and just fucking yells about something. It's like, who do you root for? <laughs> I know. Who's our hero? Well, right now my hero is the dog fighter because he's a man. See, I it's am hard. A little, it's hard. I, I mean, while, 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 <laughs> the the hall is the funniest place it's I've heard insane. of. The craziest place. Yes. 
you do have to ha- your heart goes out a little bit to the guy at the time when every it's like it's like the people who were like white people who were helping slaves in the underground railroad yes. you're like you're ahead of your time a little yeah. bit so this guy is seeing that this is the horrifying <laughs> this is not good but he's also a fucking but pansy. he's just a little pansy he's just a little yeah. rich asshole excuse me <laughs> excuse me you there let that bird go <laughs> Look at my jacket. Look at it. It's different from your jacket. That's better. <laughs> a powerful New York reverend introduced Berg to a network of influential reformers and helped him develop a strategy. <laughs> then his wife, Catherine, helped recruit women reformers, many of the veterans of the abolitionist movement, the, sanit- the Sanitary Commission, Temperance, and other reform movements. I don't know what the Sanitary Commission is. Well, they're probably people be- who are like, blood can't be on walls at this place. <laughs> Quit shitting on doorsteps. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen your basement? It's a train wreck. It's a health code violation. Energetic women were soon the shock troops of the anti-cruelty movement. Under the terms of new anti-cruelty laws, he and other AS. PC officers were wow. deputized to enforce the anti-cruelty laws on the street. So he basically, I think I left this out. So he created the ASPCA. ASPCA. Wow. So, okay. so he came back to New York, started screaming at people on the street, and then was like, this needs to be organized yeah. and created. I'll write a play about it. And someone was like, meh. On a street, on a New York street corner on April 22nd, 1866, the day the law was passed. Henny Berg gathered his courage and approached a cart driver, unmercifully beating on his exhausted horse. Which I don't understand. Like the horse is tired, so yeah. you're like, "Quit being tired! Quit hiding your energy!" <laughs> My friend, you can't do that anymore. Astonished, the driver exclaimed, "Can't beat my horse? The devil, I can't!" And resumed. Berg added, "You are not aware, probably, that you are breaking the law, but I have the new statute in my pocket, and the horse is yours only." To treat kindly. Mouth agape, the driver yelled, Go to hell, you're mad! He was then arrested. Oh my god, that's crazy. Henry also worked to halt the practice of feeding dairy cattle alcoholic mash. Why? What about that as okay. a problem? So I had to look <laughs> this up. Just getting cows drunk. No, but I had to look this up. Mashing is a process in which malted grains are used to convert starches into fermented sugars. The mash is the boiled grain from which brewers derive sugary liquid. So they're giving it to cows, and he was upset by this, even though it's not alcohol. It's just creating a sugary fermented... Right. Some some breweries today send their mash to cow farmers. <laughs> so he was mad about something. Yeah. Because he was like, you can't feed them mash! Yeah. And like, no, they like it, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no! Have you read the law? <laughs> Sorry, I heard you were feeding them rats. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, he also made an ambulance for horses. <laughs> I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna let that sit. Wow, he a horse ambulance, huh? <laughs> I mean, back my then, friend's been shot. Sorry, we're okay. just for horses. Okay, so it's 1866. So yeah. to have a horse ambulance, it has to be pulled by horses. Oh God, how else could you have? A- Horse ambulance. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Rats? I don't know. <laughs> a horse ambulance. <laughs> he had. <clears throat> he bought a crane to lift horses out of excavations, which were apparently. Wow. Which was apparently a common problem in the city. 
was putting them in horses falling into holes. Horses falling into holes, but then they used to just let them die <laughs> because they couldn't get them out. Yeah, well, so, yeah. So but, hey, wait, what? <laughs> so this guy came along and was like, "Why don't we? Why don't we get the horses out of the holes? How about we fill of- the holes? No, we have a machine to get the horses out of the holes. Instead of just what kind of horses are die. these? Ah, fuck! My fucking horse fell in the hole. Horses nowadays they're only trained to jump over. They would never see a hole and be like, "What's down there?" They just fall in, and then they'd be like, "Oh fuck! I gotta get a new horse." Oh crap! My horse fell in that hole last week. And the horses just keep falling in these holes. I'll tell you. I don't know why we have the holes. I don't know what they are. But if someone could invent a machine to get the horses out of there, man, oh, top dollar. It just, just the idea of just how fucking smelly that would be. Uh, yeah. Just walking down the street. Oh, God, another horse hole. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Holy fuck me. Cover your nose, horse hole. <laughs> Noses, cover them. Hey, should we figure out a way to get them out of there? No. no. Decomposing is the way to get them out of there. What do you like, animals? <laughs> <laughs> when he was upset about something. If elected, I will end the horse holes. <laughs> Boo. Come on now, people. We need to get rid of these holes. We've always had horse holes. They're smelly and not necessary. <laughs> Fuck you and your change. <laughs> That's change. Now, I'm running on the campaign of hope. We can get horses out of these holes. No! Oh, damn. Well, that's where they fucking belong if they fall. That's why God made the holes. <laughs> that, that literally is like the thinking. You're like, okay. <laughs> if you don't want them there, then why did God make them? You're like, oh, fucking shit. I can't. I have no argument against that. I'm reversing that. my argument. I'm pro-horse holes. We need them. Oh. Uh. When he was upset about someone being cruel to an animal, he started whipping out a cane and attacking people. Amazing. He was not afraid of a fight. <clears throat> the press loved his confrontations, and Henry's popularity grew. While some newspapers la- labeled him as Berg the Great Meddler, wow. as, as a compliment. Okay, yeah. You're a terrific meddler. <laughs> I can see it. Others did not enjoy his efforts and called him an ass that should have his ears cropped. So Man, t- those are really, two different two different ways. Yeah, to think. yeah. The insult game was not strong. <laughs> Except Kit Burns, he could bring it. Yeah, he could bring it. Yeah, you're an ass that needs its ears cropped. Oh, so I put this later, but uh, in 1866, Bird created an organization called the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, now known as the ASPCA. In the lobby stood a stuffed Newfoundland. So not so different after all, right? Yeah, they're not, they're they're both they're, they're both in love their animals. They do. They love their animals, and they leave them stuffed around places. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hmm. Hey, sure, gentlemen. Sure. Maybe I am like you. Maybe you guys can just sit down and talk about something that's not cruelty for a little while. <laughs> See what makes you tick. In December of that year, Berg got police to raid Sportsman's Hall, and Burns was arrested in violation of animal animal cruelty laws. In a thousand and fifty counts of cruelty to animals. <laughs> And one also for, of, of making horse holes. One for each rat. Yeah, rats. But the laws had not been properly established as far as punishment goes, so Burns was set free. Like, they, they, had, they had decided that it was against the law, but they hadn't decided what would happen. So they were like, okay, so I guess you were punished. They had Congress. 
<laughs> All right, get in the jail. How long am I serving? I think you're free to go. We should have written. We, we should have written. Totally. We should have written that long. We should have written farther that. after the Next part. Next time we will. Yep. Next time yep. we will. Yep. Live, you learn. It's just like the horse holes. <laughs> things, things got even weirder in the fall of 1868. <laughs> Not possible. <laughs> When Reverend A.C. Arnold prevailed on several saloon owners on Water Street to commit their properties to the purpose of daily prayer meetings. Wow. The Water Street Revival, as it was known, inspired frenzied press coverage and spectators from all over the city eager to glimpse the underworld at prayer. Wow. The heathens were converting. Jesus, that's crazy. So everyone was like, this is amazing. So they were also they were all coming down to Burn Street. And being like, look at this, and people are praying, and it's like, so it, overnight, it's topsy-turvy. He's Everything's now more of a flipped. sore thumb than ever. Yeah, now everything's just flipped, and right. it's all fucked. Burns thought it was all bullshit. Of course. Why, I think it's nothing but robbery. I tell you, that's all it is, he said of another saloon owner's reformation. Then ministers and missioners are all in with Alan. It's as clear as a fraud as ever was. Conversion be damned. I knew him 17 years. I'm bad, and he's a worse one. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I hear him. So this went on for a little while. And then when Alan, the other saloon owner, went on, went on a drinking binge, yeah. Burns was vindicated. Yes. Turns out... Jesus the... told me to. <laughs> he came down from the clouds, and he said, Alan, boy, drink yourself fucking past eight, past your pants drunk, as I did. That's why I'm laying in the street. And he gave me a tablet that said all such, but I got so shit-faced, I well, done dropped it and smashed it. We believe you. Okay. Okay. Turns out the saloon owners were collecting fees for the use of their space. So they were... Not too holy. Yeah. yeah. They were just charging guys to go in there and pray. Yeah. Oh, you want to pray and pretend like I've... Tra- yeah, sure. Here you go. We're all about God. That'll just be a quarter. But the damage was done. Burns' business had been reduced by all the revivalists and slumming gawkers who had come to watch the filthy people pray. So, he rented his property, too. For several hours a day, the dog and rat pit, decorated with the remnant blood and bones, became a pulpit. I mean... (laughs) I mean, I I guess you're into Jesus if you're in there doing the preaching. You probably maybe you could like it a little bit. I mean, fuck. Yeah, <clears throat> smells like rat. Uh, Eighteen sixty-eight. The Evening Telegram reported Henry Berg and his animal cruelty campaign had eliminated all dog and rat fighting in the city. Cruelty to animals was becoming a thing of the past, except for weasel on rats. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is a great cartoon on Nickelodeon. Weasel and Rat. Except Sportsman's Hall. The last holdout. Wow. Because of the way the hall was set up, it was too difficult for Burns to to catch Burns in the act. So, in 1968, Henry Berg organized an aerial raid. What? He sent a police officer crashing through the building's skyline. (laughs) (laughs) Organization. What? <laughs> the first cop's like, what's my job? You jump through the ceiling, and then we're going to go in. 
It's quite a drop. You're going to land right in the rat pit. Yes, it is quite a drop, and you will land on rats. And when you land, you say, you're under arrest. (laughs) You know what? And if you land in a horse hole, that'll actually be good. That's That's going to be nice cushion. Also, if you do land on a rat, we have to arrest you. Yes, if you hurt a rat, we'll have to arrest you. Obviously, you'll go to jail for no minutes. So be careful. (laughs) That's how this works. Um, so, uh, so, sends a police officer crashing through the building skylight. It works. Burn was ca- Burns was caught in the act, and this time fined eight hundred dollars. Which for back then, yeah, that's a fucking serious. Yeah, that's a serious two hundred thousand. When a Tribune reporter visited Sportsman's Hall in September, he found a very sad Burns. He described Burns as generally out of sorts, afflicted with the blues, and, medically speaking, and the gout. Ugh. But I like that he's like, he's really sad and down. Yeah. Plus. He can't walk. <laughs> plus his legs are bloated. Well, I mean, I'd say the worst thing he's got is the blues. <laughs> and the second worst would be the uh, thorns that are penetrating the uh, skin of his feet. So, six on this hand. Burns made an offer to Berg through the reporter. I want Mr. Berg to come down here and give a lecture on dogfighting and ratting, Burns said. If rats is cruelty, I'm cruel, but I don't think rats is cruelty. Tell Berg I'll blow the pit to hell if he'll come down and show me I'm wrong. Well, well. But he still thought Berg was crazy. Berg thought animals should be protected, not because he liked them, but because it was moral. Mr. Berg calls a rat an animal. Now everyone of any sense knows that a rat is a vermin. Berg takes up for the rat and won't let us kill rats because he thinks they're animals. Wouldn't he kill a rat if he found one in his cupboard? Of course he would. Fair, fair. Total reason, reasonable argument. Fair point. Reasonable argument. Yeah. He probably wouldn't bite its head off when killing it, though. No, well, I mean, look. Right. You don't know that, though. I don't. I don't. It was, the way, it was the way they did it. Who knows what your gut reaction was when you saw a rat back in those you days? It might have been to eat it. Yep, I mean, yep, yeah. Yep. Berg's offer ran as an open letter in the Herald. Berg ignored Burns' invitation to come to Water Street. Instead, he pushed police to conduct further raids. Burns was being beaten by a thousand cuts. In December 1869, Burns' favorite dog, Belcher, was killed in a dogfight at Sportsman's Hall. Burns attributed the loss partially to the revivalists on his premises. Ah, Of course. (laughs) He was never exactly himself after the prayer meetings. It wasn't so much the praying as the sting- singing that took hold of him. <laughs> you know, the talking will hurt you, but the singing will kill you. I've always said that. He was a good dog till the fucking singing started. <laughs> singing. <laughs> Dejected, grief burdened, and financially hobbled, Burns closed Sportsman's Hall. And physically hobbled. <laughs> He rented the building for a term of three years to the Reverend W.H. Boole, who opened in its place the Water Street Mission and Home for Women. A known supporter of the poor, Burns likely considered the home a good deal more useful than prayer meetings. All right. But Burns was not done. Oh, boy. Whoops. Another saloon popped up called the Bandbox. Oh, dear. There, Burns began holding ratting events again. (laughs) On November 21st, 1870, he held a huge event. Like, I assume, like a super rat bowl. Yeah. Like a crazy... Like burning rat. <laughs> rat jello. A flyer announced the event. 
<clears throat> 300 rats will be given away free of charge for gentlemen to try their dogs with. Come on, come all. There will be a good night's sport and no humbug. No humbug. No humbug. <laughs> Berg. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Berg. Mr. Berg, I'm looking in your direction. At approximately 8 o'clock that evening, Henry Berg crept into the bandbox, trailed by police officers. He wore a long coat beneath which he concealed a glowing lantern. <laughs> that could have gone wrong. That could have gone horribly wrong. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep, Christ, Christ. There goes Berg. Yep. As he entered, 50 or 60 dead rats lay piled with one terrier, still at it, cheered on by some four or five dozen spectators. It's really not a lot. It's either. not. It's kind of no, like. That's so, it's gotten so sad. Yeah, it's like. The big event. Yeah. We used to sell out stadiums. <laughs> Like, it's like Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're playing the hard rock? All right, let's do this Arby's commercial. Fuck it. <laughs> Money's money, right? 39 people were arrested, including Kit Burns. Bert confiscated a cage of live rats, which he then dropped into the East River. So that's... Uh, that's a really weird twist. That's <laughs> After all this, he's like, now that'll teach you. You Bert. have to respect animals. Heave ho! Back to freedom! There you go. Hey, uh, Henry. Yes? I think you should have taken him out of the cage. No, I think that helps him swim. <laughs> um, no, remember, right? So. Yeah. I don't... I don't think they can swim without it. You also probably should have just left him on the docks or something. But well, next, them... ne- next time... Okay. I won't throw them in the river. Okay. We'll just put them in a horse hole. Call it's... it a night. <laughs> we'll have the weasel fight him. Burns made bail. But he, was, he had caught cold in his holding cell, and the illness overcame him swiftly and turned into white of what might have been pneumonia or diphtheria. As preparations for his trial moved forward, Burns retreated to his bedroom at 388 Water Street above, above his new saloon. He became feverish and weak, developed hallucinatory clairvoyant visions. In the hours before his death, Burns rose from his bed and crossed the room, thinking he would check one last time on his dogs. Bye, he said. I'll trap to the old bandbox once more. Lacking the strength, he fell back onto his pillow. His agony and contortions during the last few hours of existence were fearful, the Jackson Citizen Patrol wrote. The Evening Post said that at the age of 39, he had the appearance of a man of 60. British prize-fighting champion James Mace visited his bedside. They talked of Mace's planned bout with the Irish-American heavyweight Joe Coburn, Burns told Mason he did not mind to die, but that he hated to leave his wife and his dog, Mustard. Oh, Mustard. You know, I don't mind if I leave the wife, but I don't think Mustard will be the same. Oh, Christ, what about old Musty? <laughs> Sweet Mustard. You know, I called him Mustard because of how he tastes. Go ahead and lick him. He tastes to be tastes just like Dijon. <laughs> Burns turned on Mason's offer of a drink. Like, yeah. Hey, you want a pop? I'm dying. So, yeah? So, whiskey. No, no. I'm whiskey. literally going to die tomorrow. Right. I'm just going to pour this in your mouth. Glug, glug. Burns began to shiver, and his wife came to his side. One of Burns' dogs, which kept him company in his room, began to bark. Lay still, snoozer, he said. It's the wrong name for that dog. <laughs> I'm going on a long journey, he told Mace. Goodbye, Jim. I really, isn't it? It is kind of nice when someone dies like with, like, all right. Well, I'm out of here. Okay, goodbye, Jim. <laughs> okay, goodbye, Jim, then. Yeah. Bye. Sometimes, is there anything else I had to do before I died? I feel oh, like I'm forgetting no, something. Pet, pet the dog. Close the garage. Close the garage. Turned Turn off the lights. Fed the dogs. Uh, made the potato stew. Right, now you think it's time to die. Oh, 
I forgot to kill the rat. You fuck too late to do it. Oh, no, I killed 15,000 rats. <laughs> That's all right. I committed a rat genocide. I'll be fine. He died December 19th, 1870. The hero of the abandoned classes was dead. They took Kit Burns to Calvary Cemetery three days before Christmas in a hearse drawn by six white horses. <laughs> there goes 6,000 rats. The procession was packed and festive enough that it formed a parade. <laughs> I mean, that's just not something you see. Hey, there's a bunch of us. Let's just... Was this planned? <laughs> no, just kind of an on-the-fly parade. You know how they are. <laughs> Why is there a float? You know, parade broke out. I don't even know what to tell you. We just made it. It was crazy. And a band? Yeah, I, look, you're as surprised as we are, but get on board. Why is the mayor here? It's a parade, silly. An unscheduled, impromptu, organic parade. Burns lay in a coffin, dressed in garb, more sedate than the bright shirts, gold chains, and pantaloons striped with his gang, gang colors. <laughs> I mean, pantaloon striped with his gang colors yeah. is the greatest. <laughs> there was a time when you're like, "Don't fuck with him." Look at those pants. Holy shit! Look at his red pantaloons. <laughs> look at his tight, weird red pants. <laughs> it was said that those assembled stared at Burns as if he were a spiritual medium, a religious leader, a prophet, or a saint. In his 39 years, he had survived four bullet wounds, a knife to the neck taken during a brawl at Dan Kerrigan's Cherry Street Bar. In the winter of 1869, a year before his death, complications from a rat bite had placed him in a precarious near-terminal condition. Those were just the occupational hazards for Burns, a saloon keeper by trade who was super into rat fights. That's ratting. That is ratting. That's ratting for That's you. Life, you knew man. the deal. You might die from a rat bite. Back then they had uh, tattoos that said rat life. <laughs> like right over their belly. <laughs> it says ticklish. Yep. <laughs> His lifetime had seen the slaughter of thousands of rats. Who, I mean, he went to heaven and there were just like all these rats like, well, 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 well. Hello, Kit. <laughs> been a while, huh? How you been? <laughs> Riding on horses. Shit's about to get weird. <laughs> You're going to fight a weasel for a quarter, asshole. <laughs> How does that sound? Henry Berg, the founder of the ASPCA, Boasted, I drove him out of New York and into his grave. Cool brag. (laughs) Finally, New York City was rid of dog and rat fights. (laughs) Something I didn't think I'd hear before I came here today. Henry's anti-cruelty society spread across the country. One by one, other states adopted laws modeled on those Berg wrote for New York. By 1886, 36 states had adopted anti-animal cruelty laws. But Henry did not just go on to rescue animals. At the time, children were considered the chattel of their parents or guardians, with no rights of their own and no protections from assault or abuse. Berg and an ASPCA lawyer rescued a girl who was being horribly abused by her foster mother. Because there were no laws... Because there were no laws to protect children in 1874, they argued that the child was an animal entitled to protection under animal cruelty laws. Oh, my God. That's, that's where we were. They had to be like... That's how fucked up America is. Oh, my God. She's an animal. <laughs> and that's a good thing. <laughs> and that's a good thing. 
Because <laughs> if she was just a kid... What I just said is a could, compliment. You could kick her vagina oh, into space. you could drown her all you wanted. You could drown her like saved rats. Uh, if she was not an animal, you could just hit her in the crowbar with... <laughs> Unfortunately, she's basically a donkey, so leave her be. He's like, it'll be faster if we just argue that children are animals. Trust me. I know these people. Trust. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Look out for that horse hole. The foster mother was convicted and sentenced to a year in jail. The incident spurred a new round of New York legislation legislation, and a new organization, New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children, animals. also headed by Burke. Newspapers called this new organization preposterous. Under headlines like, Legislation Running Mad and Leave Our Children Alone. Leave our children alone we- so we can beat the fuck out of them. <laughs> okay, I gave you the little squirrel saving society, but if I want to kill my fucking kid, I get to kill my kid. You're telling me that my child can't fight that bear? Come on. Come on. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Your kid can't fight that bear because we're protecting the bear. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's right. So things are fine. Uh, similar societies spread to other states, starting in Massachusetts, long before Berg's funeral. His city and nation claimed him as a hero. It may almost be said of Henry Berg that he w- has invented a new type of goodness. Scribner's magazine proclaimed in 1879. Berg died on March 12th. 1888 of bronchitis and an enlarged heart. You know what? I always said his heart was a little too big. A little too big. A little too big for him. A little too big. So uh, animals save before children. Uh, normal. Normal order. Totally normal. Normal order. So it seems. I, it, yeah. It seems like life was pretty good back then. Oh, things were fine. <laughs> if you if you could get, keep your horse out of a fucking crater, you're gonna be a okay. I just want to meet the guy who got drunk and fought the rats. Oh my god! Oof. Just right? watching your yeah, that would be like your friend like getting like being like taking his shirt off on a stage in a bar at that. You'd be like, he's so fucking pissed right now. Look at him! Look at me! Rats he's eating. Christ, he's not driving a chariot, is he? <laughs> fuck it, eh? Oh fuck! Are you gonna eat the rats again tonight? I'm starving. Let me eat them. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat them, Paddy. Look, a couple went down. That's an occupational hazard. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I got the plague. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm dying from oh, eating rat Christ. heads. You know, the doctor thinks it might have been all the rat brain. So. Have you, have you um, done anything odd lately? Because you, the, the fever, have you um, been around dogs mm, or uh, any sick people? Um... You know, the only thing I did do uh-huh. was I ate 150 rat heads oh. to gamble. Okay. So, so, but other than that, I've been running. Yeah, I'm so good. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm drinking a lot more, like you said. Sure, I'm uh, drinking so way more. I'm just not going to give you any medicine and let you die. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good checkup. Okay. Shh. I'll see you, Doc. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best, Doc. B e s d best. You're the best. So. Well, I think Berg is a hero. Sports were different. Sports were different. You think Berg? No, Berg is the hero yeah. in this. But he started out such a little. Yeah. It's so it's so crazy because, like, I am attracted to the idea of Kit Burns, even though yeah. what he did is awful. No, he's a man, right? He's well, a fucking if you man. think about it, I think maybe you just do what I do, which is like you're like, 
Who, 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 would, you, who would you find more? Like in a movie. Yeah, oh, you'd, you'd, Kid you'd, Burns. Yeah, you'd be like, I want to watch that movie. Every fucking day of the yeah, week. You don't want to watch the movie. The guy was like, good will prevail. You want to watch the guy's like, shut that door. Now. <laughs> We're going to kill rats. We're going to have what we call a rat off. <laughs> We're going to have a rat spinning contest. It's where you sh- try to knock out your opponent by spitting rats at him. <laughs> okay? It's going to be normal. Don't look at the bear. Look over here. Don't look at the bear. You're not old enough to look at the bear. Yeah. You so, must be this tall to fight the bear. So the movie's Kid Burns. Yes. And then Berg is the villain, but yeah. he's not the villain. No, he's but he's the movie But he villain. is the villain. Yeah, because he's annoying. He fucking... Stop. It's he, annoying. Because all the fun parts of the story are Kid Burns. Yes. And then Berg comes in and ruins the fun. It's like, it's like the straight man, right? Yeah. You, the straight man you need... Uh, but right now, we would just want to watch this guy go ape shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rat shit. Well, another, uh, another normal chapter in American history. <laughs> Fuck America is so fucked up. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with gareth and jake i don't remember how we did it but either way fun half hour comes out tuesday august 22nd and episodes will be out every tuesday and friday we're here to help oh hey there everybody it's gareth you know from this uh this podcast uh listen i've got some stand-up shows i'm inviting the garmy the gareth army to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th. Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it. After it. Let's see you there.